Hi, this is John Nelson. This is Jimmy Maurer. Hi, I'm Andre Zanoda, and you're listening to the Dallas Soccer Show. Welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show presented by the Striker. We're your guides to the roller coaster that is FC Dallas fandom. We're in our fifth year of doing the show, making us the longest running FC Dallas focused podcast in your app today. I'm Dustin Nation, and we are live here at the Three Nations Brewery in Carrollton, Texas, and we're celebrating our final episode. We've got a jam packed episode. It's going to be long. Uh, we got it here for you. We got quite a few lineups, a uh, long lineup of guests with us. Uh, but before we get started, uh, please help me welcome my co-founder, my brother-in-law, the man responsible for my FC Dallas fandom, Tristan Vick. How's it going, Tristan? Good, Dustin. How's it going? Just fancy. Are you, how you Enjoying together? beer on a Tuesday night while our wives put our kids together to bed? Yes, sir. All right. Night that's out. the way it should be. Uh, and help me welcome a man whose name I've been mispronouncing for 73 of our 162 episodes. It's Jonathan Roz something. Roz something. Hey guys. Uh, hey, what? I'm super excited to to join in. Uh, Tristan did say he was drinking a beer, but he's actually not. So I think he was just uh, you know trying to perpetrate a myth here at the, at the brewery. But uh, uh, there there is a guy next to me who does have a beer, and it's 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 not Dustin Nation who does, but uh, somebody else here who's uh. Who's our a guest today? Who's that? Uh, well, we, we're forgetting the guy on the other line. It's uh, well, our last host. Uh, for one last time, help me welcome our slightly quirky nuclear physicist and Eric Quill's number one fan. It's Nico Mendez. Hey, guys. How's it going? I managed to brave the blizzard that we're having right now in Michigan. So happy to oh, be here. You're hunkered, hunkered down, huh? I am hunkered down with all the deer and turkey. Fantastic. And... As Jonathan alluded, we do have a guest with us here sitting to my right. It's uh, the the man in charge of thirddegree.net, uh, probably the, the longest running journalist that's been focused on FC Dallas. Uh, when you think about FC Dallas and uh, media, you think of Buzz Carrick. Welcome, Buzz. All right. Thanks for having me on. I'll, let's give Steve Davis a shout out. He's actually been longer than me. But oh, Steve Davis. Yeah. He predates Major League Soccer, but he also took a little break in the middle. But yeah, this is, uh, I've been doing this now for 25 seasons. So 25 seasons. Let's go. Yeah. And you're just getting started. Uh, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we're going to start things off with just a little bit of a season review. Uh, take a look back over the last year for FC Dallas, a lot a long year. Like, I don't know that any of us expected this year to look like it did. So let's take a quick look back. Um, and let's start with you, Buzz. Uh, you know, the, the, the hype coming into the year, it was a new new manager, some new faces around with Paul Ariola. Like, when did you start to get the feeling that it was actually going to be a little bit different of a year than we kind of anticipated for a first year manager? Well, probably sometime in spring training, you could see that this manager had a different way about him, a different way of managing a team. There was a a fresh air about the team, the way he changed training, got ever all the players' attention. So there was a new sort of awakening among every player. 
that immediately made a vibe of like, okay, this is not going to be the same thing again. Now, did any of us around the team other than Peter Welton think that they were going to be as high as fourth? No. And everyone still assumed that there was a lot of work to be done. It's a remarkable amount of success they had in all the pieces that they added. Only one of them really was not successful, but even it had contributions. So the I think the club would say that they're ahead of practice uh, um, schedule. The owner would say they're ahead of schedule. If you mean when did we sense that they actually were really good? It's when they came through the early season surge. You know, this club's history is start strong, fade. They came through that early season surge and started to fade and then figured things out and turned it. That figuring out and turning was when it became clear that, okay, this seems better than just fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah. Tristan, do you have a, you have a, a moment for you that you realize that? No, I think that Buzz is right. There was we, all the reports initially in the spring were that things are different. They, the academy and the developing talent was still a focus, but there was a real emphasis on let's try and see what happens if we spend a little bit of money in the offseason, uh, open the pocketbooks a little bit and see if it actually clicks. Uh, and so Nick, the, the new manager, Nico, was actually stepping into a good situation because he had little to no pressure in terms of expectations of playoffs. But he still had the backing of, hey, we're going to open the pocketbooks a little bit, get some guys on some longer-term deals, give you a little more stability. The Pepe saga didn't last long, which was great for the club. That didn't go into off-season training or anything. It was kind of done and dusted by the new year. And that gave them a focus of building the team around Jesus and getting Areola in and being able to have... A lot of the core of this team around for a preseason, I think, makes a whole difference to then bringing guys in mid-year, which has happened in the past and means there's a half season to get sped up. I don't know about you, Jonathan. For me, it took a little longer. Like I just I just kept waiting for, you know, just the 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 other shoe to drop, as they say. Like, but it was probably me whenever whenever they had gone through three or four uh, away games. And only barely lost that one in New England. And they came away with a draw several several ways in a row. Those are games that they would have lost last year. And they 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 got points out of them. And that's for me when I'm like, okay, what what something maybe just a little bit different here today. So um this year was more about the, the consistency, right? And seeing the team uh, game in, game out, game out, actually being able to prove on the field uh, what they were doing in practice, like actually being able to to execute uh, each week. And I think uh, I'm like Dustin. I don't know if I really bought in. I think that maybe living through uh, last season and the pain of that, uh, I was trying not to be overly optimistic they would be able to turn turn this season around. I certainly didn't think that they'd be uh, in the hunt for, let alone getting a home field advantage. Uh, like they did at the at the end of the season. So, I mean, overall was it was was a fantastic uh, fantastic turnaround. Yeah, um, Tristan. Well, mean- yeah, I, well, I was going to ask Buzz. I mean, last year there was so much talk about Pepe and his impact on the national team, and then once they sold him to build around Jesus, what was that environment like? When it was, when did leaders start to emerge in the locker room? And or when did the team start to buy in on the new coach's philosophy? Was it pretty instant or were there a lot of people who kind of had to feel it out for a while before they found their place? 
No, that's very instant. Um, you know, the Pepe sale, as you mentioned, was a catalyst for change to the entire organization. So even before camp opened, there was a change in the vibe around the franchise collectively. And because this coach had been in the national team, there were already players here that knew him. You know, maybe it's guys that weren't core to the national team like Paxton, but they still had enough of an awareness. And the coach had, through his work with the national team, had scouted FC Dallas enough that he came in with a slate already ready of like what he wanted to do and knew what he wanted to do. He didn't have to go through this feeling out stage. He already knew all these players. And then the real catalyst of the total buy-in, again, this, the change in training got everybody's attention like, okay, this is different. And then the acquisition of Paul Ariola, who is bilingual, fluently bilingual, able to operate in both paradigms of this organization, a guy that the coach knows and dialed in on what the coach wants and is like Daniel Hernandez back in the Shell's Highland era, knows enough about what the coach wants that he can help communicate it to the rest of the players. So while Paul Ariel wasn't captain, he was instantly sort of filling that Ryan Hollingshead style role of, hey, Paul, get him going. You know, let's start, let's move him over here. And he is able to articulate that wisdom from the coach. That created the impetus in training and around the team for everybody to buy in along with the vibe change from the way they altered training. So it was one of the quickest buy-ins I've ever seen. A lot of times with a new coach, you get kind of this feeling out period where everyone's trying to figure out what this guy's about. Am I in? Am I out? It was right away. Let's go. You know, and, and that was remarkable to watch. And it was fun to watch. And Paul Carroll, Paul Ariel, excuse me, was the, the, the nail on the coffin, if you will, of the total buy-in by everybody. And to me, that was the, the biggest change for me was, was not even the coaches or, or the players, it's more around the philosophy of the club, around what they're doing from a, from a player acquisition perspective. Because, you know, we saw, I think Dustin on the, on the pod a number of times we talked about last year, how this club had no MLS veterans, which is just crazy that there's nobody on FC Dallas that played on a different MLS team. And it, it seemed like when you know they they launched the new era, right, for FC Dallas. Yeah. One of the one of those new things that it didn't really promote it was actually looking in within the league and grabbing veterans, um, finding people like the Paul Ariola, Marco Farfan, and yeah. um, you know it, 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 even even uh, with Legit at at at, at uh, middle of the season. It was to me, I think, I, I think that change was as much of a instigator of the turnaround for this season than it was the the, the coaching change, right? And obviously that wasn't a you know Zanata's been here already, right? I don't know who I don't know who made that plan change. Uh, but I mean to me that was the, the the biggest thing, Dustin. And I don't know if from your perspective there's anything that you saw, you know, looking between, you know, last year obviously, you know, Pepe's gone, AC's get a gets a bigger spot. Is there anything that you saw that this club changed that you said, hey, this is the this is the biggest key to the turnaround. No, I, you know, I think you're you're spot on there with, with uh, the veterans, the MLS veterans. If you look at some of the highest performers that the teams had over the years of those like like uh, people that have, have been around the league and those really they don't ever build the team around those people. They bring in people from uh or players from uh outside the country and try to had a gamble on them. Yeah, they're bringing in a, a, an Acosta or somebody, right? To, to right. be a central midfielder, right? Who's a veteran, but it's, it's it's different, right? Right. Well, do you remember there was a press conference where Zanata mentioned 
this year is about buying players that fit the system, right? It was it wasn't about necessarily we're reaching for the stars. These are about fits. And then right after that, they got Ariola. They tried to get Legette and didn't pull it off until the middle of the season. They got Marco Farfan, again, a U23 guy from the U.S. national teams. So again, Nico, Nico knows him, fits the system. You know what I mean? The buy-in of Jose Martinez elevating him to a full-time starter because he knows the way the coach wants to play from being from Spain, incident connection there. So again, it wasn't just, I see a superstar that I like. It's like, we're going to key these fringe national team guys that are good enough for MLS to be stars in MLS, but not good enough to go to Europe. There's a there's a group in there we can mine. Good big diagram. Yeah, maybe Paxton can be in that group eventually. Maybe Brandon Serenia, maybe Evan Serio someday are in that group. But we're going to go out and get 28-year-olds that are in that group that I already know. So they walk in, bought in, and they know the system. And that's different. That's very different than ever before. So let's let's talk a little bit about on the field change. So the, the differences maybe between what Lucci was trying to accomplish and what uh, Nico Estevez accomplished. Just looking kind of at the numbers, uh, you know, obviously this year there's 20 more points than last season. Uh, this season they had more non-penalty xG. They had more non-penalty uh, fewer non-penalty goals allowed. They had uh, fewer total penalty goals on that, which was a that one was a penalties is kind of a, a whole nother story for a whole nother beer. Uh, they have, the shot distances were much closer this season than last season. Uh, they had more passes into the box this season than they did last. Well, that that's because they don't have Santi Mascara anymore as well. That helps. Was that, that last season? I can't remember when. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, that's a distant memory. Like a whole turnover <laughs> and stuff like that. And but no, that, that that matters a little bit. But I think that a lot of that can be down to having a midfield that stayed relatively healthy all season, allowed them to do different things and changes. Because you, where where did you have the change? Every at the back, and well, the, that was healthy. Yeah, that helps. But I think I think if you look at those things that I was just talking about, right, it kind of speaks to speaks to a little bit more of a a direct approach to how they're they're attacking rather than just kind of going down. They have much many fewer club crosses than they did in 2021. So like is that is that did you guys see that when in the games? Or is that am I reading more into the data than well you said XG and I fell asleep. Huh? So well Armand Kapai's here. So yeah. You can get into him with that afterwards. Um <laughs> the biggest the biggest on the field difference comes from a uh, philosophy that is somewhat related to the heat here. Uh, Lucci ball, you remember, was pass the ball around endlessly to try and find spaces of weakness. This new coach is not as concerned about having the ball. They wanted to, they wanted to take up a stance at midfield and sort of be in a mid to low block and give up some of the press and be pressing more timely and not waste energy pressing all the time. Would this coach feel that way if he wasn't in Dallas when it's hot? If he had Minnesota, would he play differently? I think he would. But he did, he tailored the play to this particular team. And when you make an adjustment where you have two eights instead of a double pivot and a 10, now you have two guys that are capable of getting balls into the box, right? You have a more solid foundation behind you. You're not overloading constantly. So you create a system that's designed to control the pace of the game and control the middle of the field, press occasionally to ca- and capitalize on your mistakes. 
yes, build forward, but don't lollygag around. Build forward with purpose and create enough opportunities. Now, they weren't volume opportunities. If Jesus is not such an amazing finisher that he is, would this have worked? I, I don't know, because the volume of shots was not high. The opportunities was good. They were good opportunities. Like the efficiency was high, something we talked about all year, but it wasn't 30 crosses in the box. You know, it was, it was let the other team have the ball even from time to time for great stretches, not concerned with dominating possession, 400 passes instead of 600, you know, of wanting to control the game, home and road on the road, this 60 minutes kill the game kind of thing that they were doing. Yep. You guys saw, and then go for it yep. at home, a little more willingness to open it up. But again, an, an awareness of the, the society, the, the, the area you live in and the temperatures you live in and the heat here and the workload here of a short bench, all of that is constituted in how you play the game and results in the stats you're talking about. Yeah, but I was actually going to call out as like, I, I, I'm sure Dustin, you don't have the breakdown between home versus away, but I think yeah. probably some of those stats too are because of the fact that almost through the entire season, I think we, we saw a break in a couple of games. I think almost through the entire season, the, the coach did have to, to sit back the, the, yeah. the first, the first, at least the first half of the match, you know, 60 minutes. But, you know, pl play defense, try to keep it close, and then go for it, which, of course, means yeah, less, less, less opportunities. And when you do have an opportunity, there's a lot more direct, right? Because you're, si because you're sitting uh, and, and uh, kind of going over line versus building up. But, um, I mean, I do think that that style of play definitely helped. Like when you talked about Dustin earlier, that you know, they got a ton more results, a lot of ties on the road, which Lucci wasn't getting, right? Lucci didn't do that, not just last year, but the year before that too. I think part of that is because of the way that they played uh, on the road. I want to bring you in on this. Uh, we, we also, we talked a little bit about Pepe and him and uh, how he got, uh, he moved on and he had a great season last season. Did you expect Jesus to come in and fill that role as much as well as he did? And I mean, we talked about him being able to, you know, make convert those chances. Did you see that happen in the season or is that a surprise to it? I think what you guys kind of already discussed it. I mean, we all knew that uh, Jesus had the, the ability to really kind of branch out and grow as a striker. We see that Jesus is on this DP deal, making a bunch of money. But I think um, it's it's very nice and really refreshing to see that we have a player that is able to really took the opportunity and really ran with it. Um, the the talent and the skills was there. I mean, you can see it in practice. You just, when you talk to the guy after games and in trainings, he's mentally there. He's mentally bought in. He absolutely loves this club. Um, and he, you know, I do wonder how much of the weight of his his dad's history here at FC Dallas weighs on him. But um, he definitely took the opportunity and ran with it. So um, not necessarily surprised as to what happened, but it's it's really refreshing that it, it, it did happen. It, it is very exciting. Um, and I think it was one thing to very just enjoy the season and enjoy the moment. Don't forget that in 2019, Jesus was the golden boot winner for FC Dallas, playing only really half a season as the nine, you know, and then they switch it up and Pepe comes in and Jesus moves out of the position as the nine. And he only had like nine goals, but we forget that that first half of the season, he was quite productive as a nine, three years younger, you know? So the coach obviously didn't forget. He knew, you know, and, his system is the same as the national team system where the the play of the wings is predicated on bouncing off of movement by a nine. So a false name plays right into that. He probably remembered that from Jesus's time 
in various youth teams and, and the French camps that he'd been in. You know, so uh, coach obviously believed in it. Uh, we all should have believed it. We all should have remembered that he was successful for that half of the season and ended up and successful enough to get one a gold boot with half of the season as a nine. So that's remarkable, really. Yeah. I, I, my hot take on Jesus is that I think that playing as the 10, like he did in the second half of last season, it made him a better striker. He's, I think sure. you can see the field better now. Like you can see he, he uses space a lot much, much smarter now than he did whenever before whenever he was playing striker by yeah. himself. So, um, what does it mean to the club as like a system to have your homegrown be that star pushing for that golden boot and making the national team now? Well, uh, outside the publicity of it, but more so the incredible value of a domestic player filling a pivotal role where you would ordinarily spend DP money and use a foreign slot because of the cap, because of the foreign limitations, there is an increased value of a domestic player being able to perform in the spine. So granted, he is now a DP, but that, that luxury of, of having a domestic guy that young means I don't have to go roll the dice on a player that I have. I don't have no idea what the return is going to be. I mean, how many DPs fail, right? Plenty of them, half of them probably. So no commodity versus unknown commodity, domestic versus foreign. Both cost you a lot of money, but in the captains, it's the same. So the value is being able to use international spots somewhere else for this club, a big deal. And the value of percentage success. I knew what I had, Coach, I'm sure thinking. So that's the key. That's the number one value. Of course, marketing, sales, promotion, great off-field impact, great for your academy. Those guys are going to see that guy and be like, I can be that guy, right? Great for your entire system that your academy guy from nine years old is now your DP. What a huge statement that is about your organization. So, so massive, off of that, massive. real quick, this is unrelated to this season, but Buzz, wouldn't you say that Jesus is probably their most successful homegrown that they've had to capitalize on, not in terms of a financial impact, but maybe in terms of the overall both impact on the field, off the field, marketing-wise, a World Cup year when he becomes the top scorer of the team. I mean, like... It, you honestly have to not be trying to do your job if you can't market this guy to this yeah. area. Well, Pepe on a world stage, Pepe's a bigger deal because his awareness went overseas. But in terms of the domestic team, in terms of this team, Jesus now, Pepe did it for like half a year. Jesus has now been a key part of the team for four years, right? Has not sold for as much money as Pepe, but has become it appears to become a bigger solver with the national team, become a bigger thing in your community. So those two guys are close in terms of pure impact. In terms of your locker room, that might be Paxton because Paxton has a leadership value that Jesus doesn't have. Jesus is a little more uh, focused on himself and not in a selfish way, but in like a little more dialed in, a little more internal, a little more quiet. Paxton is vivacious, charismatic people rabbit swing towards him but for asus for sure is the guy who from your academy so far has across all phases done the most in terms of helping your team on the field for sure now pepe's the catalyst the money the money catalyst that is the one that's going to change your organization but he did it off of half a season maybe even like four national team games <laughs> really if you think about it but uh i think you're right asus is the Pure value to your franchise, the biggest one so far. Maybe we'll see. Uh, you never know. But he's he, uh, if you include his family, obviously his dad too. 
then then it's a no-brainer. I mean, it's the, the Ferreira family has been just absolutely massive. All right, so we've kind of talked a little bit about some of the big picture stuff. I want to maybe take us back to some moments in the season. Um, like, let's just go around the around the horn uh, and let's talk about this and maybe something. Yeah, everybody give a highlight and a low light in the season for your, for, you, for yourselves. Uh, we, Nico, we, we haven't heard from you in a while. Let's let's start with you on the on the horn there. I think really the highlight is just what you guys talked about, the absolute turnaround, how everyone bought in, came together. Um, I mean, this, this season definitely goes down as a complete success. With respect to low light, um, oh man, that's a really good one. I think if we're going to go really recent, then I might have just stole probably buzzes. <laughs> I might have just stole buzzes, but I'd probably say the uncertainty around Matt Hedges and probably uh, Thomas Roberts as well. So seeing Thomas Roberts' contract option not being acted on and the uncertainty around Matt Hedges, I would say, is the low light right now. Hey, Matt's still on the team for at least another day, so you know, it's, not, it's, not, it's not quite the low light. We're wishing the list. The contract runs till the end of December. You know? yeah. uh, Tristan? So for me, the obviously the low light was losing to Austin. Um, I've got a ton of Austin friends, and so now that they finally have an established team, I'm getting a lot of that in my social media feed, and it's just kind of annoying. Um, we get it. Matthew McConaughey invested something in your club. You don't have to post a picture of him every time, but he apparently has nothing better to do. Um, the other part of it, uh, in terms of the the highlights, was definitely seeing Jesus grow overall. But in terms of a specific moment, the penalty shootout was great. I mean, I've had a hard time being able to watch every match just because stuff's going on. But that night, I was able to kind of just block everything out and then like saddle up on the couch and just like ride it the whole game. And the way that they came back, the way that they took it and didn't crumble was great. And then it was just uh, awesome to see like us actually win a penalty shootout like that. We've had some really good dramatic playoff moments in the past. And so I was really hoping we'd take Austin just because it was new for them. But so I'd say the playoffs no were probably the best. Against Austin. What's that? No longer undefeated against Austin. No longer undefeated. They finally, they finally beat us. Again. Yeah. All right. Nice. Uh, highlight, I think I'm going to go with the win in Philly uh, towards the end of the season that, of course, was their catalyst to then wreck everybody from then on. They just dismantled everybody from then until they got to L.A. in the final. Uh, that that was a sort of on-the-road kind of complete victory against one of the best teams in the league. That was pretty exciting. Low light, I'm actually going to go with Jesus's miss in the playoffs. <laughs> That's the low line. I love me some Jesus, don't get me wrong, but that ball, when he's like two feet out and the ball's like right there and it gets caught or anything. Yeah, that, that power USMNT Twitter. Yeah, like the heat, weeks. the pressure of being tied on 18 goals. He could have broken the record. You know, I mean, it was like, I mean, that doesn't count. It was enough for players to doesn't count, but the pressure over the last couple of games got to him and Houston got to him. Everyone's watching. So that's probably why Lil Ryan is that miss. We all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. John? Honestly, for me, it's kind of hard to find a low light for this season. I mean, I, oh, yeah, it's there's a stretch. There, there's some, yeah, there are definitely some individual plays, but after living through last year, which we try to forget about blockout, you know, pretend like it never happened. If you think going to this year, it's, it's, it's really hard to find an individual thing. I mean, I, cause even, even with the loss to Austin, yeah, I could see it's a low light, but 
the fact that they that they were there and they made it that far, it's it's really hard to yes, I'm disappointed as a fan, but stepping back, it was you know, still a, still a great outcome. Maybe maybe I could say those five minutes, what was it like a three minute stretch, five minute stretch where those two goals for Austin happened? Maybe yeah. and I and I started to cry a little bit, you know, maybe that's uh, maybe that's what it was, but it was you weren't crying, it was someone who was it was windy. And yeah, it was something like that. But to me, the, the highlight outside of, you know, just seeing this club do well was to see, um, as a season ticket member, to actually go to some of those matches, especially late in the season, and feel the vibe. It was, it was different. Yeah, it, was mean, different. It, it, it was It was definitely different. Yes, we had like the drill mic show days, we had stuff like that that packed the, the, the field, but and especially the that last that last playoff match, the home playoff match, and it was it was uh, pretty nice to be an FC Dallas fan again. And uh, it's you know, it's been a couple of years since I've had really that. Heck, it's been for me. You know, the the Open Cup was probably the last time I felt like that really build up excitement like I did in some of the games this year. So uh, how many sellouts did they have? Seven or eight? Oh, hey, seven. Yeah, I think it was so an extra low life for you, learning that Frank O'Hara had till June on his schedule. That was so good for for me. GP for another year. GP for another year. No, <laughs> for me the uh, the highlight. I think uh, I think Tristan kind of took mine with the uh, with the the shootout win in the in the playoffs. It's a good one. Uh, so I'll, I'll I got to scramble to to think of something. I I thought I'd have time, but. Uh, uh, I'm just gonna stick with this. I mean, there were the there were the three goals in Minnesota where it was yeah. yeah, it was like okay, this game's over. And Minnesota yeah. was a team that was coming off a good season that people had a lot of expectations for, and we ended up facing them again and did well. But yeah, yeah, I think they just wrecked their season. That was yeah, that's tough to do. I mean, losing three 0 at home is gonna cause a lot of things <laughs> to get questioned. Yeah. Uh, I think the for low light, I mean, I'm gonna stretch back to a midseason game against. It was it was away against Kansas City, and they were up two to one, and uh, Martinez got a red card, and then they ended up losing that game in extra time. Uh, like I had blocked that out. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, well, uh, this is much good therapy. Yes. Wow. Um, is there anything, anything else you guys want to talk about about the season? Like, put a cap on it. Like, I mean, so the off-field thing, I think, I think it's kind of interesting. As somebody that lives five minutes from the stadium, I I see a lot of posts on Nextdoor and stuff that are like, "Oh, there's a shooting going on," and I'm like, "No, it's FC Dallas game, and they just did fireworks." People think that that noise is someone shooting, and I'm like, "No, no, no, this is a fireworks because they scored a goal and they won the game or whatever." And so I think it's kind of one thing I've noticed though is that the community started to embrace. FC Dallas a little bit more. Uh, they still have a long way to go. Like they have a ton of work to do from a marketing perspective as a club and a team. But I have noticed this year, at least in Frisco, a lot more people just casually talking or asking about how FC Dallas is doing. And so I'm really interested to know, and this goes into a future segment we're doing tonight, how this World Cup is going to impact that and whether they can capitalize on that. Because one of the things that got my kids into it was the Women's World Cup. Uh, in 2019, when they did the watch parties for the finals at the stadium, so I'm curious if they're going to kind of highlight the fact that like a half the team on FC United US national team is from FC Dallas. I mean, yeah, I would echo that. There's been a fundamental shift in the entire organization, literally in every phase that the organization does. There's been a change in philosophy, a move forward. 
more money spent, more positive mentality from employees. Now, not everything's been 100% successful, but after 25 years or even longer, for some people that have been around the scene for longer than that, to see this significant change in the wind and attack of the entire franchise, 100% in response in my mind to Austin. Austin proved that much as people hate them, they proved that you can do it different here in Texas. Houston has reacted and Dallas has clearly reacted. Yeah. And I, you cannot miss the change across any part of the organization that you have contact with. It's completely different in every phase. And they deserve 100% credit and probably Dan and Clark Hunt deserve credit for that change. Catalyst for petty money. You know, they, they've seen the sales can work. They've seen what Austin's doing. It's remarkably different everywhere in tiny little areas and big areas. And it's so refreshing to see it happen. It's still somebody has been around this team a long, long time. Quarter century now, we've seen sort of an apathetic, just go with the flow, build it, and they will come. Not anymore. Now it's proactive, and that's amazing. Definitely excited to see. Yeah. I mean, any caps on the season for us, you know, Jonathan? I mean, I, I think at this point, I just want to look forward and try to figure out how are the things that they did this year an aberration, or is this really going to be a change, especially from a personnel perspective and, and, and how they play. Is this really going to be investment? Is this... And I, I know people talk about uh, maybe play the kids going away. I don't know if that's necessarily true. There's still a lot of kids on this club. The average age of the club is probably... Still young. Like, yeah, still young. It's like 0.3 years older than last year. Um, I think that has more to do with maybe the gap in some of the academy kids coming up and being ready than it is a mentality change. But and I, it feels like this club is actually taking it seriously and being maybe less about the academy, which I kind of like, uh, yeah. being more about first team results. And if, if, if that carries on, uh, that's, I think that's, that's a pretty big thing for this club. Uh, take being taken serious in the market and, and nationally as, as well as for a fan. Nico, I'll give you one last chance. Uh, one last uh, season season thought on FC Dallas. I think the basically the foundation has been laid in this first year, and there's there's a lot to look forward to in the coming year. So, yeah, I think I think Jonathan is on the head. It's it's about momentum. Can they keep the momentum up? Uh, so, Buzz, thank you so much for joining us today, oh, welcome, making welcome. the trek out to Three Nations. So, uh, in the this- battle of pots, <laughs> you may have won the war. Oh, battle. You so, won't win the war. Well, Buzz, one day we'll come back. Buzz is going to be talking. He's got a, a whole series coming up this week on, on what's going on in the offseason. Yeah. We'll touch on it here today, but like, if you want a, a real in depth look at it, uh, you can hit up third degree, the third degree.net, the Dot podcast. Net, yeah. Third degree. So that yeah, yeah. Awesome. It's very from heaven to see. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I'm sure everybody knows that Nico uh, works for draws rights for our website. I said draws and draws rights for our website. So we're there and we have a podcast and you guys have been great friends of ours for uh, several years now. And uh, I'm sorry to see you going if it's temporarily or if it's full time, but uh, you guys have done awesome work and uh, I applaud your efforts over the years to run your podcast. Thank you very much, friends. All right, so we're going to take a quick five-minute break, and then when we come back, Nico and uh, Raul Rule's on the line here from SC Dallas, and we're going to do a North Texas season season review, talk a little bit about uh, the MLS next season. So uh, we'll see you in about five minutes.
All right, welcome back to the Dallas Soccer Show. We are live here at Three Nations Brewery in Carrollton, Texas, enjoying some drinks, talking about some soccer. Uh, this is our second segment of our final episode. Uh, and with us uh, today is Raul. Uh, you'll have to forgive me. I've, I've, <laughs> huh? Hernandez. Sorry. Wow. Brain fart. Right. <laughs> Raul uh, is, Justin, uh, Justin is on his uh, second beer. We started it almost. Okay. This 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 uh this episode is brought by uh, Mango Smash IPA by Three Nations. Thank you. <laughs> we we got no sponsorship money for this. <laughs> All right, so this episode or this segment will serve as our North Texas SC review season review. Uh, Nico Mendez has been covering North Texas for for third degree. Raul works for the team itself. So we got some lots of stuff to talk about with North Texas. Uh, and let's start off with um, sort of with a new league. So it's a new league for, for North Texas, right? That's right. MLS Next Pro. Not MLS Next. MLS Next Pro. Okay. I misspoke in the last segment. I'm being corrected here. All right, so tell, tell us about that league, Raul. It's a development uh, league for academy players and players looking to get that bounce into a first team contract maybe in the same season or in the near future. Uh, it's pulled players from all over the world, and it seems like it's going in the right direction so far. Adding league to watch. Awesome. Uh, in that name, Next Pro, are we stuck on that or like are they taking suggestions for new names? Because yeah, are, are you running like a social marketing person? Like I'm an accountant, but like just from a branding perspective, I think we could do like like a fan poll or something, maybe, right? Yeah, like like it's our last contribution as like Dallas Soccer Show to the greater soccer community. We could do something like Bodie McBoatface. MLS the show, right? Like a Vegas thing. <laughs> All right, Nico. What? What is? What is the? Di- what was the difference over this season between this this league and the uh, USL league that they were in? Ooh, um, uh, you can take that in many directions to answer that question head on. In all the directions. <laughs> To, to tackle it head on, I mean, like Raul was saying, it's it's a new league, but at the core of it, the goal is still to have developmental players that FC Dallas uh, views as a value to the organization, get them some competitive minutes, not necessarily at the MLS level, but at a, at a professional level. Um, and so really this league also has a bunch of other MLS teams in there. So the, um, it's really kind of the league's reserve league. Um, it's really the, the falls, what did they say when this first came out? The third tier in the soccer pyramid. So comparable to USL League One. Raul's giving me the head nod, so I'm somewhat competent. Um, so that's kind of really the biggest difference going from USL League One to MLS Next Pro is that this is a little bit more of an MLS-centric focus league. Um, and with that, you know, the, the one of the kind of the biggest talking points for from the North Texas perspective was kind of the the quality of the competition um, that that the team faced. So really, one of the biggest things that that was pretty evident was the 
the veteran the veteranness of some of the uh, players. So when you're when you're playing in USL League One, you're going against teams like Chattanooga Red Wolves, um, Greenville Triumph, where they had some veteran players. It's a very physical league, and so those guys got some kind of not a, not necessarily the competitive minutes that North Texas and FC Dallas wanted these young players to get, but also kind of some of that. Okay, you're you're going against guys that are nearly twice your age that are where have no problem shoving you to the ground. Um, but from kind of a, a top view level, the the overall goals still maintained, or they they were still the same in comparison from from last year. Okay, so set the stage for us um, for this season. Your your idol uh, Eric Quill is is no longer with FC Dallas. He's moved on, or sorry, with with North Texas SC. He's moved on. Uh, new coach this season. Uh, tell us a little bit about about all of that. I, I don't. I don't know about Eric Quill being my idol. I mean, he was absolutely great, <laughs> great person and great coach to talk to. I mean, he's closer to me now than he's a, as an assistant with the Columbus Crew. But um, enough about Eric Quill. You mentioned <laughs> you mentioned how the there's kind of a club change and um, very much similar to FC Dallas and Nico Estevez is where you know there's a new era coming in. Um, for North Texas, I'd argue there was even more of a, a new era. I mean, brand new coach and Park Lucas coming from the Canadian Premier League, um, and then an absolute, <laughs> almost total roster overhaul for North Texas SC. And so, at least from my perspective, sitting in the virtual press box, was how do you get all these new players and literally less than a handful of players that still stayed from last year. How do you get that chemistry going um, with a whole bunch of a brand new coach, a brand new team, a brand new head coach for FC Dallas is the whole organizational organizational structure and kind of the, the chemistry and the methodology uh, that was there with Eric Quinn and Lucci Gonzalez, is that going to change? Um, and for me, that was really one of the more, more interesting stories to kind of follow along was how, okay, in the, in the beginning, it's a team coming together. Everyone has these individual talents. Um, but something that coach Ka had emphasized throughout the, throughout the year is that he has, he has a squad of players. It's not just a group of individuals and seeing how those individuals kind of mesh together throughout over the course of the season, especially Something that unfortunately I didn't really get to spend a lot of time uh, or get to share with uh, readers was the the off the field aspect. So I mean, talking to these guys post game and during some media availability throughout the week was how they built chemistry um, off the field through different team lunches, team dinners. I know that the North Texas North Texas media crew front office did some <laughs> excellent stuff with some content with uh, players' birthdays. You got that what, crossbar challenge between the coaches and the players. That was really fun to see. Uh, dizzy penalties. So uh, little stuff like that, I think, was kind of uh, a nice thing. So I, I do have to give some credit to Raul and his team there. Is Not only did FC Dallas kind of go into this new era aspect, but so did, so did North Texas SC. So, so looking back, so, so Nikki, you mentioned the the, the turnover, but I, you know, I remember talking to Matt Denny about that at the beginning of this year, and it feels like that is not really something new this year. It feels like every year this club has had a huge turnover from a personnel perspective. Um, so it's almost it's almost just like that's that's what this club is going to be built on. I have a question for Raul. Like when you when you look back at this season. Are there any like huge takeaways? I mean, like, is there the the one thing that you say um, this this season was successful because of 
you know, one, 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 one big outcome. I would say the Academy players stepping up was probably one of the big successful uh, things of this season. I mean, look at Tariq Scott just got announced today. Um, he scored the brace in the season opener, and then he started in the Western Conference semifinal against St. Louis on the road, something that's not easy to do at the ripe age of like 17, 16, 18, whatever he is. Um, but I think the Academy players stepping up whenever we needed those roster uh, gaps to be filled in and starting and getting those minutes, it made it seem like they were ready for the next level. One of the things that that North Texas SC was kind of known for, and then like you was, was touted um, under Lucci and, and Eric Quill was just how close the two teams were off the field, like during the, on the training field. So like you, they pull one player over, like the, the systems were very similar uh, and they just really tried to kind of make it a seamless uh, experience between one team and the other. Between this season with between the new coach and Nico Estevez and the new coach in Hamadou uh, Ka, like how how did that look this season? Was it as seamless or were there some struggles along the way, Raul? I mean, you're around the team every day, so. Um, some of the ideology was the same in some aspects, but there was a little bit of like bumping heads, but overall it, was, it seemed like it was pretty seamless. Like all of them working together, like all the North Texas players would see the FC Dallas players training after their session was over. They would talk to the players. Seems like everything was good. How the chemistry between both teams was nice. They were all communicated with each other, just working together, getting like talking ball, getting knowledge from each other. So I think it was pretty good overall. And so, so I mean, so one of the one of the key things for uh, MLS Next Pro team like FC like uh, NTSC is to bring players to the to the first team. And I think this year we've already seen I think two officially announced. Um, I mean, do, do you guys have any insights around? I think you know we saw uh, you know the trialist number twelve uh, from uh, Abilene. Uh, <laughs> Come up, you know, from uh, from a high school player all the way to uh, to being a, a first team player. Are there any? I mean, when you look at the progression from a player perspective, there, are, you know, either one of you guys, Nico or all, are there any any players you say, you know, this this year was a really big breakout year for them? They they whether they moved up to the first team or they were successful with an NTSC, are there any big players you'd like to highlight? I think the most obvious one is probably Bernard Camungo. I mean, John Arnold at the very beginning when he was a trialist, like you said, did a great cover piece on him. Um, then seeing Bernie really take over <laughs> this season. I mean, what he finished second in the league scoring with 16 goals. So <laughs> that's, I mean, that's absolutely impressive as well. Um, Hope Aveyevu, absolutely clutch, perhaps a bit more quieter than last year where he's a little bit more of a known, but him what tying, I'm looking at the statue right here, tied for third in most assists in the league with nine assists. Um, an absolute quiet, but very, very productive player right there. And of course, Jose Mulatto, um, what if he's coming in right there? 
Um, those are probably the obvious. Um, maybe maybe a little bit more indirect would probably be Antonio Carrera um, getting some play time there as goalkeeper, dubbed uh, La Muralla as well, the wall. So uh, I think him also stepping up, getting some competitive minutes at the beginning, a little bit rough, not too, not too surprised there, but really kind of growing into his own and also getting some youth national team college right there. How about for you, Ro? I would say Bernard. Sure. I mean, those two guys broke records. Obviously, Bernie's all-time leading goal scorer. Hope actually tied his club record, uh, career record, actually, to be exact, um, which I think he'll break next season, of course. I mean, also, like you said, Antonio, he, he was really impressive in his first year as a pro. Won two extra point shootouts, I believe. Stop uh, two PKs in the last extra point shootout he had against Colorado. Um, I would also say Nolan Norris. Uh, he stepped up big time in a couple games, had impressive uh, balls and passing overall. Build up from the back was impressive by Nolan, keeping his calm under pressure. So, you know, the, the season, it, it didn't. No, it didn't look on paper and like as an outsider, like so somebody who didn't necessarily pay very close attention. You know, they they were in uh, USL League One. You know, they're one of the top teams this season. They come in fit. Um, like, how important? Like, I mean, every of course they want to win, uh, right? But like, is it is it as a big a deal to not win and not be in the top two or three of uh, MLS Next Pro? as it would have been to be in the top three or three of uh, USL uh, League One? I think that's a, an interesting question. You, you might have seen Raul and I chuckle right there. Um, and I think that's 100% dependent upon who you ask. So I know Eric Quill and Pamuduka <laughs> would give different answers to that question. Pamuduka was very focused on, I mean, hey, I got to develop these players. But I mean, at the end of the day, we're all professionals. We want to win. And so he did instill that mentality into the team. Um, that probably doesn't answer your question directly, but I kind of do want to draw attention to the fact that, oh, you know, over the four years of North Texas SC, I mean, the first season winning USL League One, the second season is the pandemic season, finishing third. I mean, arguably that's a playoff spot right there, barely missing out on USL League One final. Um, last year making the playoffs as well, and then having that heartbreaking game against Chattanooga Red Wolves. I mean, and then this year, same thing with St. Louis. Um, I mean, Buzz mentioned in the last segment kind of how FC Dallas has, they peak, then they go through that those summer months, and then they kind of try to find momentum again. I mean, very similarly, North Texas kind of went through something like that, and they did find momentum towards the end of the season. Um, so, I mean, taking a step back and, and looking, looking at, I think one of the more impressive things with this club is the fact that they are able to remain competitive with the roster turnover that's way more familiar with this team than FC Dallas and even with the coaching changes as well. Tristan, were you excited to see uh, Santiago Ferreira get some minutes with North Texas? Yes. Very cool. No, I like it when they use it as a, a way to... I mean, it was created uh, to combat losing players like Weston McKinney and some of these academy kids. Like, let's not pretend like they're going to sign somebody who's going to go on to become an MLS MVP or a starter for the national team 
they're going to sign an academy player like Pepe or Ferreira and use that as a stepping stone. And so I think it's good that they're still using it that way. I think this is a team in a league or a team that's finding itself in a league that's still trying to find itself as well in the whole landscape of changing U.S. soccer. And so, yeah, these are the type of questions you have to ask is what do you evaluate success by versus the trophies, right? Because those can be at odds with the purpose of the club at the same time. All right. Well, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the way the season ended with uh, Parmaduka and kind of some of the drama that was there. I know, Raul, you work for the club, so maybe like probably may not be able to speak to it all about or speculate. But we're, we're, you know, kind of coming from the fans. So like, if you want to sit this one out, we understand. But like, uh, what Wink we- twice if we're on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll throw this one to Nico. Nico, uh, what happened? What happened at the end? Like, just Pamanuka and parted ways of the club. Like, oh, we, we lost. We lost Raul. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, he's back. I'm just dropping. You, you, you said the magic words. <laughs> all right, all right. So, so from a from a journalist perspective, uh, Nico, why don't you why don't you tell us what what happened there, and then we can kind of start the conversation that way. Uh, I I think <laughs> I think the uh, the cop out there would be I definitely recommend you to Buzz Peters and Dan's episode on Third Degree the podcast where they kind of talk a little bit more about this. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that probably gives some some really quality insight, uh, a different perspective. Obviously, the perspective I have was very different. I saw it from the whatever the the weekly media availability and the post game. So it's, I didn't get to see. I didn't. I didn't. I personally never firsthand saw what um, <laughs> has been stated, or I guess whatever you're. That's, that's, to. that's the worst answer ever, Nico. I just say yeah. I mean, I'm missing out on. Right? I'm missing out on that. For a hot take, Nico. Last chance. Oh man. I mean, I'm missing out on that three nations, three nations beer. Maybe, maybe it's something in the beer that I'm missing out on, <laughs> but, um, I, I guess I'll, I'll, what I will say is Eric Hull and Pamuru Kaur are very different in their coaching styles and coaching approaches. I, I would, uh, I would completely agree with that. Um, so speaking of coaches, you know, I know Ro, you were going to come here and just announce who the new the new coach is. I know that was your your plan today. Yeah, can we get a can we get a scoop for our last? Yeah, episode? can you go ahead and just uh, just write it on a piece of paper and show it to us? <laughs> All right. Okay. So that for those who don't know, uh, India looking for their new coach. I think they've got it down to a couple of uh, uh, key candidates, but have not yet announced who that uh, who that is. So hopefully, we will hear uh, very soon on who the coach is for DSC next year. All right. Uh, last thing what 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 can fans expect, Raul? What can fans expect for North Texas Soccer Club next season in twenty twenty three? Uh, some some good football, hopefully. <laughs> this new coach that we get, I don't know when we'll announce a coach or when we'll even get a coach, but hopefully it's some good football and exciting football. I mean, we've got some good players that are staying for next season. And we hope 
to add more players that will build on to that structure of play. Are you announcing Garrett Melser? That's what we really want to know. Garrett, Garrett Melser <laughs> is in attendance right now. We can ask him right now. It's a two-year window. Garrett. Six. Sign Garrett Melser and Rose. We'll we'll find out later whether he's gonna play for NGS. It's a it's a two year with an option for twenty twenty six as of now. So all right, well there you go. <laughs> all right. Well that I think that'll unless you guys have something else you wanted to put on uh put on the end of this conversation, I think that'll do it for our North Texas SC section. Uh twenty twenty two in the books for North Texas SC, new coach in the in the wings. We'll see whatever that happens there. Raul, well, thank you so much for hopping on the call with us. Appreciate you. Uh, we're going to take another quick five-minute break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to look ahead at next season with Sam Hale from FC Dallas Radio. We're going to look at you know, what does FC Dallas need to do uh, to, to improve upon this current season. So we're, we'll, uh, we'll talk to Sam next. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Dallas Soccer Show presented by The Striker. Uh, this segment, we will be looking the striker, at... Striker, 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 Striker. Ooh, you're self I feel like you said echo, echo after you say that. Yeah. By The Striker, Striker, Striker. I mean, we can look into putting that in, in post. Yes. Okay. So this segment will be... We might have a future in doing this. <laughs> Just not this year. Yes. We'll look ahead to the 2023 season, kind of off-season, look at, looking at what's going on in the off-season, what's happened so far, what's going to happen next, what do we, what do we uh, think that FC Dallas should be doing. Uh, with us, this segment is Sam Hell from FC Dallas Radio. Welcome, Sam. Hello. And uh, look who the cat dragged in. It's Garrett Melser from FC Dallas. How's it going, Garrett? Yeah. Reporter slash media dude, something like that. Yeah, uh, and uh, social media expert, uh, subject matter expert. It's Eddie Cotton. Uh, thanks for showing up, man. All right. So, uh, what do we know so far about this season, this off season? Right now, yesterday, hot off the press, there was a, a, a roster announcement where. FC Dallas has exercised their contract options for Edwin Cedillo for Marco Farfan and Siki Sabalani. And then they they did not pick up the contracts for the contract options for Lucas Bartlett, Matt Hedges, which we're probably going to talk quite a bit about here, I'm assuming. Uh, Eddie Majoma, Nanu, uh, Joshu Kinyoanez, uh, and Nikki Hernandez, and Thomas Roberts and just as a slew of people, Khalil Medkar and Benny Redzik. So a lot of, a lot of. I didn't going. think you were actually going to read them all, but you I know. Did. Yeah, I, just, I, I know. think you're just going to go with uh, yeah, Matt Hedges. Matt Hedges and some other people. Yeah, Matt Hedges, Thomas Roberts. We like them too. Uh, the, the tribute videos will be flowing next uh, February, right? Yep. All right. So so let's talk. Let's talk about uh, that 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 announcement. Let's start there. So. Um, any surprises in there for you, gentlemen, about uh, players staying, players going? Not really. Uh, it's kind of a continuation of what we saw last season in terms of the roster rebuild. You know, Nico Stepp is putting his footprint on the team. Uh, so you see a lot of players who didn't play a lot last season moving on. 
That's one of Rico's preferences. Is I know small squad players who are going to contribute as one player, so you are either not the squad or on the bench essentially all season, and he'll post those guys who are, didn't have their contract extended or part of that group. So to, to me, it all kind of made sense. Yeah, it looks like they're going to try to raise the floor of the team a little bit because the guys you saw outside of Matt, who obviously is his own discussion, are largely players that came in, you know, in friendlies and U.S. Open Cup time. Yeah, some some bit players. Yeah, it's just some 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 of the lower level players that just like Garrett said, they weren't getting a lot of time. And as you know, Luca, oh, Lucci, good lord, Nico wants to kind of shorten the bench a little bit and kind of raise the overall quality of the team because the one through eleven was a high quality overall. Like there's some places to improve. But overall, I got him to third in a, in a couple of playoff games. But like once you got past about 13 or 14 on the bench, you started to kind of wonder where are the fits here? What are the options? What are the solutions? What does this fundamentally do to make the team better? And you can argue that just by virtue of their existence, it didn't give you as many answers to other questions as you needed. So they're going to kind of start trying to find new answers. And unfortunately, that means moving on from some some really quality human beings, and, you know, in the world context, really good players. But. Uh, everyone comes to an end. Every story has its end. And for those guys in Frisco, that's what they are. Yeah, I think you, you raise a really good point about the bench and the bench depth, right? Like those those are the players that were on the bench. And like the question is, are, are any of those folks that were on the bench? We, we talked about it ad nauseum on the, on the pod. Like when when you're down two to, you know, down by a goal in the late in the game, which one of those guys that's on the bench that's not a starter are you going to bring in? Uh, and you know, to, to change the game. And I think that the answer is we're going to, we're going to find somebody else to do that. To add on to that, it's about going to have more games in the MLS season, 34 games, plus playoffs, but also League's Cup. It's an extra entire tournament within them. And you know how seriously I always takes the Open Cup for a lot of different reasons. You need players who can come in and it'd be essentially MLS starters, even if it's not an MLS game. Uh, and I guess that if you look at last season, they felt like those guys at the end of the bench maybe weren't out. No, I think it's very fair to say. I mean, you look at like the general sub pattern for Nico throughout the year. Hot air would usually come on late. We'd see Tafari was the third center back who got plenty of starts and really did a good job this year. Um, you'd see, you know, the kind of the rotating window at, at midfielder, Siki or Brandon, whoever was, you know, before the Legette trade. Like those two became kind of like your midfield changeups. But once you get past those dudes, you know, and I guess Nanu got a de- decent amount of play, but his option didn't get picked up. So that's no real surprise. Like you just kind of ran out of creativity. You look at like even the Austin game, how they changed, how they entirely played for the playoff game. And then some of the changes they made at the very end, like it just, it created more questions than Dallas can answer. So they, they come away from that game going, okay, we need to improve the overall quality of the team. And while you want to improve the first team as well, I'm sure they're going to try to like, just be able to, Hey, Hey, our 15th guy, our 16th guy, is he as good as the starting 11? No, but he gives different ideas. It allows you to, to shift and adapt and change to what your opponent's doing. Because they struggled with that against Minnesota. They ultimately won, but they really couldn't overcome that with a more talented Austin team. I mean, so you guys both bring up interesting points around next season, the changes as far as the number of competitive matches. And I, and I completely agree. This year, Nico had a very, very short bench. It's something he's got to change. I don't, I don't think, you know, with the exception of Matt, I don't think anybody that's on this list is one that probably would have played in those matches anyway. So it doesn't mean that they've got to open up space. They got to find some spots. I, I would say as a, as an FC Dallas fan, Probably the one that I'm, I'm both sad and happy about is probably Thomas Roberts, which is, I mean, there was there was a lot of hope for him coming up to the academy that he would, uh, you know, be a really key player for this club going forward and have like a career here. 
but in some ways it's also to see him leave. Yeah, I, I'm hopeful that someday FC Dallas regrets it <laughs> um, as a fan. Uh, but it's it's also you know it's, it, in some ways it's kind of, it's kind of sad just to see him leave. Every player who was on the FC Dallas first team from the academy was amazing in the academy. It doesn't mean they all turn out to be MLS contributors. That's just how it is. It's just such a tough. It's such a high level. It's so tough to get there. But there's a lot of players who were let go um, who showed more on an FC Dallas shirt than Thomas Roberts ever did. He looked good uh, for North Texas many times, but that was never a consistent thing. There are plenty of FC Dallas players who did just as much. Um, and so I'm always just, I'm just always interested by the uh, the Thomas Roberts love that he gets, considering yeah. there are players on there who did plenty uh, just as much as he did. On that, I saw him several times in training, and like the like. You can see that there's like the basis there, but he was like I never saw him put it together in training in any of the times that I was there. Like capable of an amazing few moments. Yeah. Um, but so were all of those players that you listed as well. Yeah. And yeah, Thomas is an incredibly talented player, and I hope what was said, he lands on his feet. I think he probably will. But yeah, the situation, you know, it's it's just so tough to break into a squad that's challenging for playoffs every single year. Um, and a lot of those players can pull with that too. And to that point, even too, like Thomas played here under three different managers he went overseas and played for a fourth over there like at some point and this is not that great on him because again he is a talented young player you would like to see him figure it out under one of those four whether it was overseas on his loan or here in dallas for whatever reason and i'm not smart enough to figure out why it just wasn't going to work out here so it does make sense to give him another try let him go somewhere else and let somebody else continue the thomas roberts project and it's probably best for everyone because now he's no longer in dallas that kind of specter that, that hangs over him is no longer there he gets a fair chance dallas gets you know it's a clean break it's 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 probably most fair to everyone but but there but there was a guy who was on that list who no doubt has proven um, that he's capable in this. Well, yes, yeah, that's it's, that's uh, Mr. Matt Hedges, and uh, I don't know how much I mean, you guys can, can comment on on Matt. I think it. Uh, I think I, I do think we're hearing that uh, there's you know contract negotiations, conversations continuing with Matt. Um, but I, I do think that looking across the league from a center back perspective, even at his age, um, thinking about the injury that he had last year. And the way that he was able to come back, I, I still feel like he's a top competitive center back. Yeah. But, I mean, to me, Matt Hedges, one of, one of the things that's interesting about him is he's never been like a really, really physical fast guy. He's been a really, really small player, which means to me, he's likely got a couple more really, really good top level years. Um, and keep for, the concussions at the end. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. I, I think that, I mean, for me, as, as an FC Dallas fan looking at this club, I mean, yeah. center back is a place we don't have a lot of depth. Uh, keep it mad, I think, to, to me, it's, it's key. I mean, I'll do it. I'm not an employee. I can do. I can probably do this. So, I mean, the facts are what they are. Like, they declined his option. They've been negotiating a contract. That all is, is very well known, and that is the case. With Matt, I think you're. I think you're correct that he does have good years left. I mean, he's only going to turn 33 next year. I think he he showed this year that he is a productive player on a good team. I don't think that's any, up for dispute. I would not be surprised, though I would be very sad it, it, that if he did depart, and that's not insider info, that's just kind of looking at the landscape as it is, because you know there is reported interest elsewhere. And, and I think as you look at what the team is, is kind of going towards, they want to have a strong defense, and they had a very good defense last year with him, Martinez, Farfan, Ima, and Martin. 
but I could see a situation with a very robust corner uh, center back market this year. You know, you've got the guys from New York City FC are out. Aaron Long assisting free agency after making the World Cup roster. There are some options out there, and who knows what you know what Andre Zanota, the globetrotter himself, has come up with. He may have found the next great thing in a country we don't even know about yet. I mean, heck, if we want to get really big and bold. Miles Robinson isn't happening in Atlanta. Who's to say you couldn't pull off something like that? If you want to just get really big, that's not a report. That's just an idea. So, like, if Matt doesn't, you heard it here, folks. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. I'll take credit if it does. If it does come through, but if it doesn't work, you never heard it here. But you look at kind of like what Matt is. He he is a little bit older. He is an incredibly smart player. And I could see a scenario where the coaching staff looks at it and goes, Matt, you're you're an incredible player for what you are, but we might want to move in a little bit of a different direction in what we're doing here. That doesn't mean you're not good. It's it's more about a system idea. Now, the the, the bad part about that is he is the captain. He has been here for so long. He's one of the longest tenured players in the club history. So the emotional response is is very fair. It's very natural. I don't, I don't think I don't have any idea what's going to happen, but I could definitely see a world in which Matt Hedges is not here. And that makes me sad on a certain level, but that doesn't mean I don't understand it, especially depending on what else could happen. So I'm not going to speak for the club, but I think talking about somebody like Matt Hedges without asking the question, what does Matt Hedges want to do with the rest of his career is kind of irresponsible. And so I would say Matt Hedges kind of holds the keys to this entire situation, depending on what he wants to do. If it sounds like he's happy here in Dallas. It sounds like he enjoys playing for the Nico and this new system. But it also, we've nobody's really gotten none of the reporting's really been what does Matt want to do? It's more been the club doesn't want to pay Matt whatever this contract option amount is based on past performance. And that tells you where the sourcing is coming from, too, like on a certain level. Like, Matt's not going to do his business in public. That's definitely not his personality. He's a very. What? Yeah, like. I thought Matt's really an outspoken guy. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, he yells from the rooftops. He was supposed to be here, but he just, I guess, he got lost. No, like. He went I think, to Four Nations Brewery. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, right. just, you know, type of oh, jerks. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't find barking. That does happen. But, you know, you, you, you raise an interesting point. What does Matt want to do? It And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to speak for him, but just kind of getting to know him over the last year. He seems like a guy that is enjoying himself here. But at the same time, he has been here for over a decade. And with international things calling and, you know, his, you know, you only get to play soccer for so long. Like we're told at some point we all can't play the game. Some of us like me are told at like seven. Guys like him are like 35, 36, maybe even older. I can understand if he's like, hey, man, am I happy here? Sure. Am I, you know, can I raise my family here? Can I make good money here? He absolutely can. And he'll go out of club legend if he never plays another second of football at FC Dallas. But hey, there's only a chance to go do some of these other things once. And, you know, you can always come back to Dallas. Like this place will always love him and always respect him unless he goes on like some sort of weird media tour, which we've already established. He's not going to do. That's not his style. But like maybe he wants to go play in, in Saudi Arabia. I mean, I was telling these guys in the break that based on some Instagram posts, like they've already got the Christmas lights up, the trees. Up. I mean, like they seem staying for at least through the winter. Uh, so I'm, I mean, I'm hopeful that there's some. Because. I mean, based on the case, on that. <laughs> I mean, if you didn't put my, I've got the North Denton and Collin County beat you got that down. I mean, if I was put my money down right now, at Tristan Vic on Twitter. All right. Well, I want to I want to pivot and and talk a little bit more like uh, about about next season. So, uh, Eddie, if if you're Andre Zanota and you're um, 
Nico Estevez. Like what what gaps do you see, and and what gaps? Which Brazilian that we don't know about will you be bringing in to fill them? Look at last. The big key for last season was about building that core. Looking for some ball areola, bringing special shot halfway through the year, and Alan Velasco. So, and you look at the the ups at the end of the season. I think we're aspiring to build that up uh, at whatever positions that you feel is the need. Uh, obviously, center back would be one of those. If you look at Trout currently, um, potentially another winner in there. Uh, but no matter what, it's just about hitting these depth pieces. I think you have such a strong core. Um, so that last season, and that's a reason to be optimistic for this year. And you look at every move from last season, I think it was the first perfect off season for us in Dallas in a long time. Um, and you have to be excited about um, uh, Andres Nogue and Nathan Scotty. Yeah, just be excited. And look at, look at depth pieces and how you can support this team for a full season. Hey, good. I mean, what's funny is you, you said perfect offseason. I was like, really? I was like, and then I started thinking about it. I was like, yeah. it was business got done. It, it, it got was, done fast. It was really, I mean, both from the, the, the veterans they brought in from within MLS, uh, as well as some of the external signs. It was really, really, a really good good year for, for Zavada and the clubs as far as filling some of the gaps. If they could, if they could do that again this year, that'd be awesome. <laughs> um, I, I'd had to disagree as far as, you know, I think that there are some areas within this club that there need some strengths. Uh, center back, you mentioned, right, especially with, with currently Matt not being on the roster. Uh, I think that, you know, as far as outside backs, I, I, you know, we've had, uh, you know, Emma, who's really, really progressed um, this year. It, we've seen a lot of good things from him. Uh, but competition might be needed. I, yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of a lot of depth there, especially now. Um, Majoma going going on with Majoma going on as well, right? There's I, I think there as well as uh, man. I feel like every year this club is looking for a winger. Um, having having some good having some good bring back yeah. bring back Hernan Grana. Yeah, having uh, <laughs> no, no, no it's like goes way back to the first season I think of this show when Dustin was like. Hernan Garada is amazing. He's going to be an all-star. And I was like, he's on loan. He doesn't even like, he's not even contracted to us. And he's like, but he made the all-star team. And I was like, you'll learn. That is not an indicator of future success. I learned. Narrator, I learned. All right. Um, well, I I think we're kind of running on, on uh, some time limits here. So uh, I wanted to get out of here without mention. I didn't want to get out of here without mentioning. Uh, we're not, we're not going to do off the field though. Wait, we got, I was to, curious off the field. Bold scoops. Hits. Off the field. I mean, the, I mean honestly, the, is Tex Hooper going to have flaming horns? I mean, like there's a lot of potential. Yeah, what, what's in store with this new era? Stay. <laughs> Talked about this more detail last season. The biggest thing is we brought in someone that's going. Um, as from a content perspective, I only have three months of bench, so I'm looking forward to full season. Only able to work with with Jet and Becky G, put out the best Becky G content. That's the new way of doing How much? How much can we get Becky G on our social? Uh, I would beg at least 40 to 50 times. <laughs> but, 40 to 50 games, 40 to 50 times. I, I got a question for you. So on, on the social media scene, like 
Is there a player that fans keep tweeting at you that F the FC Dallas needs to sign? Like uh that used to come around Messi. Messi. Well, besides Messi, yeah. Uh, that's we already signed him. That's not always no, okay. Speaks right now with let's, let's not do that. If you watch Welcome to Rex, I hear he's available. You watch Welcome to Rex and they signed the guy that everybody was telling them about. Shake it up. Like doesn't he have a warrant out for his arrest still? Can't come to US no matter, no matter what, rumor, once you see one rumor, you look at either a thousand tweets from the fan base of the original player saying this player is amazing, which means they're not. <laughs> or a thousand tweets saying sign him, which means they're great. So when the Velasco rumors came in, that was thousands, thousands of tweets in Spanish that I, the Grand Slam probably never seen one ever saying I'm still better sign out of the That's how I knew. That's how I knew we were doing it. Perfect indicator. All right. Uh, so San Antonio FC won their uh, won the USL cha- the league USL playoffs uh, on Sunday. The league championship. Yes. Uh, Nikki Hernandez was on that team, uh, and on loan, right? So, so on Sunday he wins the uh, the USL championship. On Monday, he's cut by FC Dallas. What a roller coaster! Life's fun, ain't it? Yeah. I, I don't know. That was my last thing I wanted to talk about. These things do happen. I think, you know, Nico is, is you know, he looked really hard. I mean, Nicky was one of the few guys to go on loan. She was, was big for him. And I think he showed some development. I, I think it's it's kind of like those those other guys that we saw that have departed the club and aren't really being negotiated with. Is he good at soccer? Oh, yeah. Like, you have to be good to be at the level he's at. I, I think they're shooting being a little bit higher courage fans because if you're going, hey, instead of putting our stock in a guy that had a good but not great season at the USL level, we're looking to get like a Sebastian Legit level guy, a legit MLS veteran who's proven himself across the league, who's had success in international play. Like, you know, it, is it sad that these players, guys like him are gone? Yeah, because you want to see the youth develop. Like as a fan base, FC Dallas is conditioned that guys come through the academy, they come to the first team and we call that success. And when they don't, they, you know, we consider it a failure, quote unquote. But in a case like this, I think it's a good indication of where the team is right now that, hey, we're aiming higher than a development. Like we're, it's a playoff team. They want to continue to be a playoff team. And there's going to be casualties to that. And it, is it unfortunate? Yeah, it, it, it is. But I think at the same time, when you can say, hey, our, our, our standing is higher, our achievements are higher, that's a good thing. It just comes with cost. It's more about thinking about this is a cycle. So you think about, Oscar Pereira coming in. Yeah, what, I don't know for sure which year it was, but you know, Oscar Pereira came in, kind of built up. We had really, really big year with it in, in 2016, both from a, a, a Shield perspective as well as the U.S. Open Cup. Um, we saw, uh, you know, recently we we had Lucci come through. We saw the build up, and we saw kind of disappointment in year three, and so. Uh, I know in in the some of the recent press releases or the press conferences they were talking about a three year cycle for uh, for Miko that's just started and honestly to me just thinking about this being in year one of a three year cycle and being at having a home playoff match it's kind of excites me uh, so I feel like it's we've got a foundation we can really build on and that's I mean to me one of the biggest positive takes away from that, from this season I can come up with. What Nico did in less than 12 months was amazing. I think FC Dallas in terms of what's rebuilt on him is they're way ahead of schedule. Um, in the new era of time I've talked about, the club was clearly more ambitious on and off the field. 
And if that continues, I think uh, we're in for a really exciting few years. So I think Nico is a, a great statesman in a lot of ways. And to that point, too, like the immediate success of that is so important, both on the pitch and off the pitch, because it's easy, you know, for a first year coach to come in to say a message. But then like the mixed results, like in Charlotte or, you know, maybe what St. Louis might go through or even any of the new coaches, pick whoever. But like for Nico to have such immediate success for all the signings in the offseason to really have a great amount of success it creates buy-in and it creates an immediate return on investment. That means, Hey, what we're doing is right. Let's keep doing it. Let's do more of it. And then hopefully more success will come. Like it's a great indicator. Like obviously this is not where we want to end. You want to end holding the trophy, but if you can have this much success under a first year administration on the pitch, like it's, it's, it, it bodes well for the future and it tells what direction, what heading to put the ship. So Dustin, you've heard it here. This is the base, right? We're building up. Right. It's the way, way, perfect way to end the, uh, uh, a beautiful Dallas soccer show, right? Yeah. Who's Hell yeah, bro. Stand on the way up, right? Uh, all right. So uh, we'll see if FC Dallas can keep the momentum up in 2023. Uh, you can want, read on the striker about that. John Arnold's got that covered. Um, Sam Hale, you going to be doing FC Dallas radio next season? As far as I know, until told differently. All righty. So tune in, tune, in, tune into that. Uh, and then, you know, check out... Uh, Ace reporter for FC Dallas, Garrett Melser, uh, DTID podcast. DTID podcast. Just want to say thank you guys for providing all the content you have over the last few years. I've enjoyed it, I'm sure. I'm substitute. It's very kind. Did you enjoy the, the mom series that Dustin did a few years ago? I did. Is that during COVID? That- I think so, yeah, because there's a bunch of going on. Yeah. No, I did. Did someone say moms? <laughs> Went for the soccer mom audience. For the Dallas Literally. soccer mom show is what we called ourselves for a little while. Uh, yeah, we had to have some. I think Kalana Costa's mom still follows us. Yeah, she does. We see her tweet as a MLS champion, Kalana Costa, sir. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Eddie, uh, man, keep rocking the social media. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, man, we really appreciated your outfits on the uh, pregame shows. Thank you. Yes. All right. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to do a little bit of World Cup talk with Dan Crook, the, our our English friend, uh, to, to provide <laughs> the one English friend. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I like the token. Yeah. And then uh, we'll see who else is, we'll see who else is still around here at uh, Three Nations. So uh, quick, quick break, and then we'll be right back. Thank you guys for joining us. Welcome back to the Dallas Soccer Show, uh, presented by the Strikes. Strikers, 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 Strikers. Uh, the, the echo provided by Tristan Vick. All right. Uh, so this segment, we're going to talk to Dan Crook about the World Cup. We can get a, get a little bit of a preview of that. Have a small soccer tournament coming up next, next season. What, that, what does that mean for FC Dallas? Before we started, uh, look who else the cat brought dragged in. It's, it's Armand Kafai. Can they see me through there? Like, yeah, I was like they, uh, the stream can see you. The, oh. the podcast folks can't see you. Oh well, hey podcast folks, you can. I know it's been a long time. I didn't know that. Uh, I so didn't know that. Before Jonathan joined the show, Armand was was uh, kind of the. I was your predecessor. Yeah. yeah. Before things went down, you know. <laughs> so if you're just joining us, there's a little bit of history on stage right now. It's uh, Armand. Uh, we we did a lot of goofy things with Armand. We had a signing video. Whenever he, whenever yeah. he joined the show, and then 
What else did we do? Oh, I think my favorite moment with Armand was uh, going out to Dallas Sidekicks practice. And Dude, we, that was in the middle of like, I, I drew, I've driven by that place a couple of times. I just get like PTSD. Yeah. It's, like, it's, buy it. it's, uh, it was it's a, not a great place. Yeah. It's not we, a great place. Uh, the, um, Hernandez. Hernandez brothers. Yeah, Moises and uh, I have no idea what his brother's name was. Joshua. Joshua. There you go. I think. Uh, yeah, it's a good time. So what have you been up to lately, uh, Armand? You, kinda, you left the show. I left media in general. You to do what? Uh, so, I mean, I had an internship with the team, with FC Dallas, uh, as like a video and data guy. And then they brought me on part-time for 2021. And then Nico wanted to bring me back on. So I was part-time again for 2022. So that's why you haven't seen my name in any media or anything like that. I've been kind of low-key just talking about basketball or something like that on Twitter. Been crunching numbers for FC Dallas. Yeah, exactly. Something like that on a part-time basis. Okay. It's been good. It's been good. Yes. yes, he actually had a basketball podcast. So it was like one episode. It was like one episode. It wasn't actually like a basketball. It was just one episode. It was okay. It's one more than I had. <laughs> well, all right. Well, with us also from Third Degree Net, Third Degree dot Net, uh, is uh, the, the podcast. You introduce him as newly married man. Newly married. Oh wow, Dan Crook. How's it going, Dan? That last segment, the first thing I should say is Thomas Roberts. That's good. It was really He's a cool. Thomas Roberts uh, propaganda machine over here. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to find a new club. You are his dad. All right. Okay. So, so the United States made the World Cup this time. Surprise, huh? All right. Uh, we're, we're, we yeah, got we're something. So, yeah. Uh, it's like 20 minutes left. Okay. Last oh, call. Last okay. call. Go. I got my beer, so I'm good here too. You go get your. All right, well, Roz is not. Right, well, Roz is. Yeah, so they they qualified for the World Cup. Yes, which is a soccer tournament being held in the middle of the Middle East. Yeah, not exactly the greatest place. No, but it's still happening. Yeah, I mean and the best part of. Are we excited for it? So I'm excited for the games. I'm excited for like seeing some players get to prove themselves on what could be their last World Cup. Like like Neymar and Messi and Ronaldo get a chance to win that. But in terms of the tournament overall, you kind of have to like watch it kind of squinting and realizing like what went on to get this place or get to this place, I guess, to get them the tournament and cutter. Um, but I mean, I'm excited. Are you not? I mean, I am minus the 4 a.m. games, so those are going to be brutal. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, and so like, uh, I'm also, it's also the winter, which yeah, is a little it is, different. It's, like, it's, I'm also torn because uh, I'm, I'm a U.S. fan. My family's from Iran, so I have to uh, watch both those games. I have to watch them play each other, which uh, is, has some beef with uh, my dad. Uh, it'll be a fun family moment. Yeah, it'll be a nice little moment. But I mean, it's weird because like, it's the World Cup happening in the winter. Players are getting injured. Um, it's I, the one thing that I guess I'm trying to talk myself into is the fact that travels a lot less because it's in Qatar. It's a small country. Maybe that'll maximize a player's performances. You know, they don't have to travel. Like in Brazil, I know someone go from like the bottom of the country to like the top of the country. Like yeah, maybe all spread bad. out. Russia had like a couple. Kind of like the bubble, like, you know, in the NBA, like a lot of things where like, hey, there's all that much travel going on. So people are just able to focus on basketball. Obviously, it's not the same, but I'm kind of subscribing to that theory in the hopes of like, well, we'll have great games, even though it's in not the greatest place, uh, you know. Yeah, I know. I'm with you on that. I think the travel times will definitely help with that. But 
I also think that it's just going to be a different atmosphere. It's just Which weird, might, man. I don't know. England's probably got the most expectations of any team in terms of they reached the finals of the Euros, lost on penalties to Italy, who didn't even make the tournament. So, Dan, as the resident Brit, do you feel like they have the most pressure? Are, who's your? There's a betting favorite, and then there's the public favorite. I think what you got to remember is with England, it doesn't matter how good or bad the team is. The expectations are... It's coming home. Well, it's, it's, even if they win, they were terrible. They're a disgraced in country. They're all getting shot on sight. You know. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a weird one. You've seen too many players drop out. No. Um, I'm going to double mic for a second. Um, was it that bad? Yeah. <laughs> you, have to hold up to, you have to hold the mic up to your like, yeah, hold it like this. Hold it up, yeah. All right. So they all hang in one. What I'm curious, so if we break down the matchups, right? I mean, nobody cares about the first group. Uh, Senegal was the had the best. Well, we should care about the group if we advance. Well, sure. I think that Saudi Arabia was the to watch with. States. Senegal actually had a pretty good team and with him out and injured and kind of just there is like a potential threat and not a guaranteed threat. It's kind of sucks for uh, the hopes for an African team to advance far. But so let's get the group B. Um, England has arguably its deepest squad that it's had in years. Do you think other than center back that there's a real weakness? And if so, how will the U.S. exploit it and make them look embarrassed the day after Thanksgiving? Uh, when you say the the team's the deepest has been in years, I don't think you've really got that. Wayne Rooney, Steven Gerrard, Tony Adams type who can kind of lead the team through. Like a veteran? Yeah, I mean, our talisman is Harry Kane, who I... You wouldn't follow Harry into battle? Uh, no, no. I would. Uh, I wouldn't understand him for one. But a ring endorsement. He's a mouth breather, right? Well, the problem I think is the team kind of lives and dies by, dies by how well he plays. And you've seen we've taught them this year. You've seen uh, and last year when he's out of form, he's out of form. It's true. Uh, I'm just really looking forward to uh, Good, Fr- uh, Good Friday. Sorry, Black Friday, mm-hmm. which is the real Good Friday. Let's be honest. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have some fun at two o'clock on uh, mm-hmm. Good Friday. Friday. So, one o'clock. Friday. So, one o'clock. so let's talk about that group. That so there's another team, the United States. United States is in that one. So Pepe got left off the squad. Ricardo Pepe. Um, and that was kind of a blow for FC Dallas fans. But I think if anybody had been following the strikers abroad and just in general, they knew that was always going to potentially be a, an option and something that could happen. Surprise inclusion with Haji Wright, which he's been in four though. It's kind of crazy. He has. And if you're saying you've been watching a lot of the Turkish league, we know you're lying. Um, but I did watch some highlights of YouTube and like, he actually like looks like a great, like, target man striker to have on the bench at least? I, th- I think the problem is uh, Greg Barhart's explanation was Pepe was competing with Jesus 
Not with Haji Wright. Yeah, you had like different seats on the plane that you're fighting for yeah, this. You're in this seat. And then Ariola was fighting with Morris, probably. Yeah? Morris, yeah. yeah, that's what it was. Because well, then then when someone pressed him further, he said, "Well, Haji Wright plays in a tougher league." Cool. So what you're saying is, to quote Peter Webson, Haji Wright is the tallest kindergartner. There are two players who are scoring well, saying one player's in a harder league when really they're both in kind of weaker, you know, second, second, third tier European leagues. You need a little bit more of a breakdown than that. The, the thing that people have been saying is Haji Wright is, is friendlier with the players than, than Pepe. At a World Cup, you definitely need more of a together locker room. Yeah. I mean, we all know from, from FC Dallas, he's not a disruptor by any means. So maybe he held the door for me like, like, several, like several weeks in a row. It's my so one trophy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a little bit surprised. Um, I had totally forgotten about Haji Wright, to be honest. Um, but then I saw his name and like looked up what he'd been doing. Like, it's an impressive work. I mean, he, he's definitely being pretty consistent. I would say Ricardo has the tendency to get sometimes one-dimensional. Um, whereas uh, right, Haji is able to kind of get you a goal if you need one. And there was the other guy in the conversation was Jordan Pifat, which he kind of cooled off, I think, was what Greg yeah. Berhalter said. Yep. Was he was kind of like, eh, he's not as hot. Yeah, scored in a couple months or something like that. I mean, but at the end of the day, like, are these people really going to make the difference between whether the U.S. loses or wins? I don't think so. I think that's going to be up to the performance of the key players, right? So, little Elm Zone, Weston McKinney's coming off a little bit of a knock, but I think it'll be fit. How important is that midfield trio? We're finally all healthy. I mean, it's key, man. It's like the it's the engine that keeps the team going, right? Yeah. Like, you, and like here's the thing: like, will McKinney start the first game? Do we know that for sure? I'm not sure. I mean, you could see Aronson there. I think Aronson's a more than like viable option in that in that middle spot. And we saw him; he was a, he was announced as a midfielder, not as an attacker. He was yeah. announced as a midfielder. Twelve months, like, oh, you're here for a surprise. That was the quote unquote surprise in the middle. So, I mean. I mean, they're they're the key, man. They're like I think the midfield engine's a key because that's where like a lot of the pressing comes from. That's where you know the best players are. They're in the middle. Yeah, I mean, my thing with the middle is I, Tyler Adams is so important, right? So he's crazy form too with Leeds. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good for the U.S. But like, what are your expectations for this team? My, I'll, I'll let you answer first because I still haven't really pinned myself down on an answer, but. I'm gonna go. Okay, look. I the think, US, I think they is. get out of the group, and then you can give me the England prediction they, as well. They, they, Just because they get ahead of Wales, it's fine. I, th- I think they will get ahead. Of, I think they'll get ahead of Wales. I think Iran will give them some trouble. Some trouble. They, Iran has the most. Uh, you can make the argument they're the most informed forward in the group with uh, Matthew Tarder and me. He uh, he's been scoring plenty of goals in the Champions League, and the, and the way they play, the U.S. I think may struggle against them um, in that capacity because they do like to sit back a lot, uh, quite a bit. Um, in terms of like US England, like I think a draw. Um, yeah. I think a draw is what we, we foresee or I foresee. Been one, yeah. yeah, something like that. We'll celebrate on Black Friday. That's uh, a headline from 2010. It was a yeah, US yeah. beats England 1 1. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. And England, England put that yeah. on there. <laughs> but I mean, for the World Cup itself, like, I think the U.S. can make it out of the group. I think they can make it out of the round of 16. I mean, depending if they play the Dutch or... or uh, the Dutch Senegal. is probably the toughest team. Yeah, and I think, they, I think they yeah. can beat them. Like, 
I think it's the next round where they might struggle. Uh, I can't remember. Who the, I was literally looking at it today. I can't remember who they were, uh, who the other possibilities were. They, who could so they the other side of the bracket is actually the weakest side, in my opinion. I think the best team in the group C and D is... Oh, gosh. Now you caught me out there. But I believe yeah. it's... I think maybe France. But no, France think- is in the bottom. Never mind. They're in the other groups. It's a pretty weak group. I mean... There's nobody that really. Yeah, there's nothing. It's, it's, oh, it's like crazy. Argentina. Yeah, Argentina's Group C. So yeah. So like, I mean, that's. I mean, that's. I so quarterfinals would be like. I'd be really exceeding ex- expectations. Correct. Not right. At least. Am I the only person here who doesn't have them getting out of the group? It has what? Not getting out of the group. I don't have them getting out of the group. You have Wales going ahead of them. No, Wales is crap. Yeah, I don't think Wales is going to go ahead of them. Well, not not Wales. Iran. You think Iran's going to go ahead? I of think them? so. I think they got a dark horse chance. They do. No, they genuinely do because of like just how cohesive they play as a unit. I think that's their biggest thing. They're going to frustrate the, teams. The challenge they'll have though is that I think, I think England players that may or may not be with them because of well, they are. They're all are. They all are. They all are. Yeah, yeah. They they announced their roster uh, yesterday, and they all are with the team. There's no. No, they, there's none of that like no political. Well, I'm surprised there wasn't. Yeah, I'm surprised there wasn't. But Kieras gave them permission to protest. Will that cause a disruption? I don't. I don't think so. Like, sorry, the Maverick game is going on here, and uh, I think Lucas hit a three. So, shout out Mavs. But no, it won't. Uh, there's two guys who are more like kind of nationalists that support the regime that are going on right now, but the other 24 players don't. So I don't think that will cause an issue or anything. You probably won't see them sing the anthem. I don't even know the anthem. I know that you're old Iran anthem. I don't know the new one. You probably will see them, uh, you know, do things that maybe they won't celebrate goals or something like that. But I don't think it'll be a genuine distraction or anything like that. I think they're going to play as a cohesive unit that's very defensive. But this time around, they have a very strong attack, which is just crazy as we're all watching the Mavs game. <laughs> um, but no, I think... Iran can cause issues. I think they will cause issues, but I don't think it'll be enough. I think the U.S. will have enough too. Go I got next. a question for Nico over there. Uh, Nico's a yeah, what's sorry, Nico? I, uh, I can see you. Okay, so Nico is a unabashed uh, Mexico fan, and so Nico, Biased. how how far do you see Mexico getting? Oh, I was afraid you'd ask me that question. Nobody can hear him. Oh, we, can, oh, we lost, we lost Nico here in the in the booth on stage. I hate saying yeah, they you, won't make it out of the group. You, you, you said Mexico and everything fell apart. <laughs> Send it loose to Poland. We pull in Argentina. We got technical difficulties here. Ooh, it's a possibility. Yeah? That's, that's that's real fun. All right, Nico, Nico, hold hold your hand up. Hold your hand up if you think you get like to the. They're getting to the round, the fifth round. The fifth round. The fifth round. What is what is the fifth okay, round? This is part of the show where we cut Dusty's <laughs> mic. Nico, will Mexico make it out of the group? Raise your hand. <laughs> no, Ooh. I'm with him. I'm I mean, with dude, him. They're they're That's a tough group. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're not talking about Saudi because they're not going to do anything. But so for those listening on the, are you, are you still able to hear me or not? He raised his hand. Made the, eh, the international eh, sign. So we'll see times, but not quite killed the gladiator, but would have just fired them. Right. Um. So, Dustin, you're saying the U.S. doesn't, and it's Wales and England. Iran, England, Iran. Okay. With it's England topping racket. the group. England topping. Yeah, the England, group. England topping. Okay. 
Dan, I'd take that. But uh, no, I think the the US gets out. Who okay. it? And then uh, with who? England. Sorry. Um, yeah, I think I think England. You know, not not to be a homer, but England should <laughs> okay. do well out. It's, in the it's, not, you know, it's coming home. It's coming home. That's what you're saying. Well, it's coming home. It's, that's a bit. It's not like an expectation of anything. I did mention your depth in midfield. I am a little worried. The the starting midfield last year at the Euros had Calvin Phillips in almost every match, and he has played like. No minutes. I mean, I was surprised he was on the squad. Oh no, mate! I was like, that guy's—he doesn't play anymore. That was, that was the kind of joke at Leeds Town. Um, there are players. We have uh, our best midfielder played six fewer minute, Premier League minutes than Calvin Phillips. How did he get called up? That's fair. Uh, all, all I have to say is that uh, now that Dustin has said US is out. And Iran is in. He's actually been fired. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm going to quit the pod. So I'm sorry, Dustin. This is my, this is my last episode. Nice. Okay. Well, I'm. I'm sorry. <laughs> Alrighty. Can you hear me now? All right. So, so I decided U.S. is going to top the group. Okay. I think so that looking. Harry Kane's form is going to England will only go as far as Harry Kane can get them. And I think they will draw their first match. No. Yes, draw the first match against Iran. Draw against America, but beat Wales. Okay. So I think they'll get five points. Um, And I think the United States will bow in the round of 16. So do you feel that the back line may be the the undoing of the United States? Yes, because I... Well... Yes, mainly due to the fact that on the side of the field, there's a little bit of too many people that can fit that role, and Greg tinkers too much. And if there is one thing you know about the United States at World Cups, it's that we always get off to a slow or very fast start, one way or the other. We're either getting beat immediately or we're beating somebody else immediately. And so that's the gamble you have with us is that we're a very hot and cold team. I just hope that because of the fact that we've literally lost a generation of soccer players in the United States with not making the 18 World Cup means that all of that is gone now and we're a totally different team. I'm I'm hopeful, but I'm not optimistic. And also, this is a team that will all theoretically be on the team next year or next time. Test, right. test, test. Well, uh, any, any, any last words on the World Cup? Nope. Okay. Well, no last I think words. it's about time to uh, to call, a, call in an evening here. Um, Closing you, time. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you're on there. Um, Are you guys able to hear me now? Last words. Can you, but we can't Still hear you nothing. here, but... Uh, any last words that you want to tell the folks that can actually hear you? I mean, for those online, it was absolutely wonderful being able to bring stuff to you guys. So appreciate all the support. <laughs> I, I think he's done. All right. Yes. Thumbs up. He's done. Let, let, me, let me take over real quick. Um, I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Dustin, Roz, Kristen. I mean, you too. Hey, I remember when you were a dog. You were like not a dog. Like you were a dog uh, Twitter profile picture. So. Oh yeah, yeah. You were that. a dog Twitter profile picture. So I remember. <laughs> I'm really feeling. Yeah, I was, 
I remember those days. But, hey, you guys, like, this has been a great run. Uh, happy to see what's next. I mean, obviously, you guys have normal lives and stuff like that. They but it's not to quit our day jobs. So yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised by that. It was, it was an ACL injury by Justin while he just played hockey. But other than that, everything's good. No, but you guys are you guys have been brilliant. And uh, the Dallas Sox community is going to lose a uh, pretty, you know, a, well, a strong member of the community. So cheers to you guys, man, and love you all. Thank you. Keep going, so definitely, and trying to do some written stuff. I'm just, you know, although this is the final destination, and we're really upset about that. Really happy that I can take a week off from third degree money. You guys can jump in for me. I just wanted to there announce you. that I've been signed on to uh, season three of Ted Lasso, so um, <laughs> I might be able to swing the last TV thing to yeah, I'm taking the real Apple TV money. Yeah. To answer you, we are all free agents now, so. All right, uh, Russ. Last words? No, this is this is great. I mean, uh, this, is this, this this all started with uh, with Dustin walking up to me while I was in a two or three hour uh, delay at an FC Dallas game with a bunch of rain going on, and saying, "Hey, Jonathan, uh, I saw you on Twitter. You want to talk about some lineup stuff on DSS? I saw your dog picture on Twitter, and it was <laughs> off the hook." It's like that's that's the reason I thought to you, but yes, uh, it's 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 been fun. I mean, it's yeah. We started with with lineup prediction shows uh, on on YouTube, and and three years later, here we are at Three Nations, uh, drinking some beer, having some fun, uh, and uh, saying goodbye to uh, I mean, one hell of a podcast. All right, uh, Tristan. Yeah. Last words. Um, I would just say I'm glad that everybody listened and enjoyed it. Nobody ever said, "Man, you guys need to shut up and stop doing this." Thing. I mean, random Twitter guys and, said that one time. Oh, really? See, I don't read tweets. Tristan's DMs were not open. My agent told me, like, when I was negotiating my Ted Lasso deal, they were like, "Don't read your DMs and your your replies." Um, no, I, I'm just really glad that. I mean, we lived like five minutes. I live like five minutes from the stadium. So I'm a pretty big hypocrite if I don't actually like support the club in terms of liking soccer or football. And so I was like, I'm going to get involved. And that's what we did. We might still release some stuff in the future, like watch this space, but it's not going to be as regular. And so, oh, Nico's on the phone. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's what I would say is that it was. It was good to like follow the club because we are so close and it's been fun. So I hope that everybody's enjoyed it. And yeah, watch next year because I think FC Dallas is going to have a really good season next year. Yeah. Just just putting that out there. Yeah, I, we're, I think it's important to notice that we're not we're not completely turning the feed off. It's still going to be there. We may still have some special projects or something. If or if one of us gets an itch to say something, we'll, it'll still be here. Uh, but like for a weekly weekly show, I think we're we're pretty well done. So, uh, for me, uh, man, this has been a, a, as much of a roller coaster as FC Dallas uh, fandom has been. Like the ups and downs, just like the the busy times of just trying to like grind out episodes. Um, the 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 thing that stands out to me is just like how much support we've been given over the past five years from everybody that we've met in this community like um you know from from dan from buzz the third group third degree steve davis has been awesome too you should go read his world cup columns on uh world soccer talk he's 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 uh you know be pumping pump some stuff out there 
And just like everybody that we've met along this journey has been awesome to us. There are people here at Three Nations with us that like, I mean, they just came out to, to drink a beer and listen and, and hang out with us and support us. And I, I just can't think, think uh, everybody who's listened enough. Um, Roberto Silva's here. He's been, Roberto, come on the, on the show. Like he's, uh, he's been uh, producing this for us. He's, uh, what do you, I don't know what your title at the striker is. But Roberto brought us into the striker last year. Um, thank you, Roberto, for all the support you've you've given us and the the partnership we've had there has been super fun. Um trying to help trying to do our, our small part to help soccer in Texas. Um but yeah, thank you. I, I, I thank you guys. I mean, think um what you do, you know, especially you know, all of you guys with a day job. You know, I, I this is my day job. So it's 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 easy for me to to be doing this work, but you guys have a day job, have family, and you give your own time to make this happen. And and this is what soccer in the U.S. is all about, right? In this community is us getting together. That's what the striker is trying to do also a lot is, is bring everybody together. And there's there's not, I, I don't have enough words to thank you guys. And that's why I, I made sure to, to make the drive here today to be with you guys. I know it's a special day for you. Uh, we're going to miss you next year. And... I hope I can convince you different wise uh, moving <laughs> forward. But I know the wives are listening to this and you're not going to like it, but yeah, anyway, it's not listening to this. <laughs> but anyways, thank you very much, guys. Thank you for what you have done. Um, I, I do want to plug a little bit of, of marketing here. So people can, everybody can own this striker. We think that this is something done for the community and this can be owned by the community also. So go to wefarmer.com slash this striker and you can be part of this for as low as $250. So that's pretty cool to bring everyone together. But again, we can only do this if people you know subscribe to the striker and we love people that support local soccer. That's what we are all about. All right. So a, a, a few hours ago when we started this, I made a joke. I don't know if it was on air or not about this being the Dustin soccer show. And uh I am I'm not gonna I'm not going to stop before I say, I, I know that Dustin, you and Tristan started this. You talked about how Tristan got you into, into soccer and got you excited about doing a podcast. But I mean, I, I know Tristan was there with you early on, has been on and off through through the years. And you talked about Armand, who's next to you coming in and, and covering for a while. And then myself uh, coming in the last couple of years. But man... You, you're the heart and soul of this, of this podcast, and there's absolutely no way that this thing would have gone five years and a hundred and whatever freaking episodes there is. 63rd. 163 episodes. This may be cut into more than one. Yeah, I can cut that too. But man, it's it's been awesome. I mean, you're you're a super genuine, awesome, nice guy. It's like one of the, one of those people that I mean. If it wasn't if it wasn't a, a podcast, it was I was working with you, or you're like my, my my buddy from high school, or you're the guy I was, uh, you know, went went to church with. You're 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 the guy that like everybody wants to just kind of spend some time with, and it's 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 been great. I think that we would have not made it five years without your focus. And man, uh, I, I know I'm I, I was super happy that uh, I've had this time with you, and I know the the other guys too. This is. Uh, DSS would have not have made it if it wasn't for your focus the last few years. So thank you so much. Thanks, Jonathan. That's very sweet. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know, I don't have a res response. You didn't have to. Yeah. 
Two last episode. You can soak it up, man. All right. Just soak it up. Say yes. Yes, I am. All right. Yeah. Well, no, I, it's been fun. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, you can still... The Twitter account's still there. Tracker.com, thirddegree.net. Uh, I don't know. Armand's doing his own thing. Like, um, analytics.com. I just, just, I guess my, my parting words would be support, support your FC Dallas, uh, media, whether like they, they, they work hard, all of all of them. Um, and with, with a lot of them put in a lot of sacrifices and, uh, like we're thankful for everything that they've sacrificed for to, to help us. And we want to like, like push, push people towards them and, and help keep them lifting them up. So, um, yeah, go FCD. And we have Nico. Nico, do you have? Uh, oh, this is, this is um, good podcasting right now. We, we have a we're, we're live broadcasting a phone call to Dustin. <laughs> we are broadcasting a phone call. Can you hear me, Dustin? I got you, Nico. Awesome. No, what, what I was trying to say earlier is, man, really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy. I'm guessing life. he has something to do us nuclear physics. <laughs> that you're raising a family. I mean, you know, I remember. You know, my very first time kind of starting off with all this, you were one of the uh, more friendly faces within the press box. So, I mean, taking the time to to really help me out this there. This technical break brought to you by... <laughs> um yeah yeah no you definitely taking the time i mean uh i mean dude you invited me into your house when i was moving up here to michigan so i mean that speaks absolutely volumes about your character uh to do a whole episode i mean really making me feel like a family out here so uh massive kudos to you man uh massive props really appreciate you taking the time and patience on some crazy crazy nuclear physics kid that moved all the way across the country to the middle of nowhere to blow stuff up so massive kudos man congratulations and uh wishing you the best of luck and appreciate all that you've done not only for me but for the soccer community as well thank you so much like thanks for thanks for all the contributions and uh giving us something to laugh about with uh, eric quill <laughs> you know, man. That's course, like, that's a good, I think that's a good way to sign off right there. <laughs> there you go. Running the All right. Thank you, everybody. Dallas Soccer Show out. Out. Yeah.